The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. The enemy tries to work on the inner me to tell us, you know, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, David, you're no good. And the devil comes up again, and you're focusing on what you're not instead of what he is, and it limits you. Coming up on Life Today, David and Nicole Craig both wondered if they'd been disqualified to serve in the ministry because of their past, but God saw things differently. People walk through the doors hurting, broken, mistake-laden with a past, and instead of judging, we're like, pin there. And uh, we're going to, this is the first time I've ever interviewed two cranks. You know, we've, we've had a lot of folks on that might have been a period after we talked to them, maybe that was the truth. But their name is Crank. Now think about this. This is David and Nicole Crank, and they are pastors of Faith Church. There are three campuses in St. Louis and another in West Palm. And uh, I tell you what, they're a neat couple. Here, here's what I want you to know. If you have ever felt like and I'm telling you, there is a liar and a father of lies that will tell every one of us that we're totally disqualified yes. and there's no way we can do the things that someone might imply that God has for us. Well, you're going to get hope right now because if there have ever been two people that were totally convinced they were disqualified, it's this couple. Would you welcome David and Nicole Crank to life today? <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, guys. Now, I've enjoyed, you, you came in here with your iPhone. I had them uh, take it away from you and put right. it on Vibrate. But you were on what was called Periscope. Periscope. Yeah, we're big social media people, James said. So like Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> you name it. The Periscope allows us to just talk back and forth with people right away. So, And they were loving you guys. I mean, a lot of us are fans, by the way, I want to say that. We have watched you. When I was 15, I used to watch you in those big crusades preaching, mm -hmm. and you inspired me. Really? I was like, man, I want to preach like that. And you were always so honest, and it was just great. So thank <laughs> yeah. you for what you guys well, do. Well, am I still honest even though I'm not mistaken? <laughs> yeah, I, I bet he keeps good about you it. honest. Yeah, yeah, I feel good right. about that. I will, yeah. I'm excited about what God has done and is doing in your life, but you really did feel like both of you were disqualified. I want to start with you, Nicole, because you really did... You kind of really had a rough start. Tell, tell, tell our viewers what you went through as a young girl. Well, I started out fatherless. Um, my father didn't claim me from birth. And so at three years old, I was born in Canada, but adopted in the United States by my stepfather when I was three years old. And there are things that stick with you over time. I didn't find out that I was adopted until fourth grade. And fourth grade was really a, a significant year. That was really a, a blow to me to, to think, why didn't my dad want me? What was mm -hmm. wrong with me? What did he know about me that I didn't know about myself? Um, fourth grade was also the year that I got introduced to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and fourth grade was also the year I got molested. Um, so an, an, an incredibly difficult year for a 10-year-old. And here's, the, here's how the enemy lies to you. The enemy will tell you, even at 10 years old, well, you shouldn't have let that happen. It, this is all your fault. Um, see, you weren't wanted anyway, and now you're just, you're kind of trash. It's over. Evidently, that's what everyone molested at a young age hears, yeah. mm. which amazes me how a child can put that on themselves, totally. but in fact, they do. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you every now and then those thoughts don't come back to me today. And I didn't, I learned not to share my story at a young age too, because uh, in fifth grade, I finally had to tell somebody and I told my best friend what happened to me. 
and asked her to keep it a secret. And do you know what little fifth grade girls do yeah. with a secret? Mm. But yeah. They tell. Um, and then I went through a terrible time of just kind of being isolated all through middle school. Um, stories spread, they get exaggerated, and I started eating lunch by myself. Um, nobody would sit by me on the bus. I didn't get invited to birthday parties. And I was so lonely. Um, I, was, I was so terribly lonely. And then in eighth grade, I was raped. And kind of in my mind, I was done. You know, how do you even just keep going through life? Did the thoughts come back to the way that was your fault too or not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the situation that happened, there's no way I could have had any control over what happened to me in eighth grade, but it didn't stop it from happening. But then you start thinking, I should have been smarter than that. And then who are you going to tell? I didn't tell anybody until just a few years ago um, when God made me share. Because what happened when I had shared the first time was right. isolation and being alone and being ostracized. Um, so God had my parents move. I'm pretty sure it was God that had my parents move and I got a fresh start in a new high school. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you know? I, I could be friendly and boys might think I'm cute and I got this attention that I just took the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I ended up a pregnant unwed mother at 17. Mm -hmm. So if I needed to see on my fate, you know, these things I couldn't control, but this thing I could control, everybody in the world had failed me and now I failed me. Mm -hmm. what, what was left? Did you consider having an abortion? You know, in high school, in those conversations in history class, those are things you think, well, women do have rights, because that's what they try to teach you, is women have rights. But God, I would have been gone. If my mother had taken that right, I would have been gone. If I would have taken that right, my son would have been gone. And that's what I've, I learned right away as soon as I knew. I thought, there's no way in the world I could ever let this baby go. Thank you. And How old is that baby now? He is 26 years old. And God has the most amazing way of, you know, we t tend to think we need to be able to qualify ourselves, like 2 Corinthians 3 says. It's like, you know, what can we do to qualify ourselves? Or we think that we can do it by qualifying ourselves, but it's God who qualifies us. Mm -hmm. And so if God qualifies us, really, if you think about it this way, how could we possibly disqualify ourselves? Because we're not the qualifiers in the first place. And, you know, the Bible says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So, you know, I have no doctor of divinity. I don't have Bible school training. How did I end up a preacher in all of this? <laughs> and then on top of that, I got divorced when I finally found a man to marry me because I thought I was unwanted, unused. This is why you're still a teenager, right? Well, I, I met him. I was about 20 years old. I met this guy. With the little baby. Yes, mm -hmm. and he had all the right initials behind his name in the medical field. I thought, how could a man like this ever want me? Um, he ends up getting addicted to prescription drugs turns into cocaine, turns into crack cocaine, and the second he starts crack cocaine, he becomes abusive. It changes everything. He breaks my ribs. He herniates my C7. We have restraining orders and policemen and, and robbing jewelry stores. He went insane um, with this drug. And I had to actually leave my life. I had to disappear. I had to leave my son. I had to leave my life. I had to completely go underground, live off of cash so he wouldn't find me so I could stay alive. And it was in that lonely place again, I got lonely a second time in my life, that I just told God, God, I cannot do this anymore. I need you. And he said, Nicole, if you will trust me, I will cut off what is close to you, but I will never cut you. I need to cut these things off of you. I need you to share your story. And I did not want to do that. And I just said, God, whatever you want me to do, and I came back to my life, and I started re-entering my life. I started working again. I got back to my hometown, and God kept me safe. 
Um, and I have, I have not heard from my ex-husband. God's just really kept me safe and protected me. And you don't think that you can be protected from certain things, but God can protect us from things that we can't figure out how to protect ourselves from. Mm -hmm. And then I met this boy and this boy <laughs> hey, I was a man. <laughs> I thought all I thought all men were dumb. I thought men were stupid. I thought, what use do I have for a man in my life? They've only caused me hurt and rejection. And we kept we had some mutual friends, and they kept inviting us to parties. And uh, he kept giving me his phone number. He's like, "Hey, babe, I lost my phone number. Can I have yours?" <laughs> no. And um, now, did you know he was a preacher's kid? You know, I didn't really know what he did. Because Were you keeping I, it a secret then? No, I just you really didn't bring it up, you know. I didn't say, you know, I was just... I didn't talk to him deal. that long. Yeah, so, yeah, it was real quick. <laughs> and, so you were having trouble even getting her attention. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I still have trouble getting her attention. Look at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> right here. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, though, James, because at the time, like you were saying a minute ago with Austin, I had been married before. That's one of the reasons why I felt disqualified. My dad was a Pentecostal preacher and it was very much, you know, known that if you were divorced, you were done. And so you actually see some people stay together just because they want their career to go on. Mm -hmm. And so I realized right away, you know what, if God's, you know, 50% of all people, you know, have a divorce and and I don't know if you know this, but all, you know, the reason for divorce is marriage. <laughs> and uh, so I decided that, you know what, we're just going to move forward in this and I'm not going to let the, my past dictate my future and just started, you know, thinking that things could get better. But I was also disappointed because I'd been married for eight years, never had a kid. So I meet her, we go out on a date. Actually, we went to a party, a little party she had to get together at her house and a lot of her friends was there. Well, I, I meet Austin who now is a 26-year-old campus pastor, by the way, That's of one right. of our churches. Wow. And uh, yeah, so he's walking around, he's got his big people teeth, his little people teeth, and, and I just fell in love with him. And I knew, you know what? If I'm gonna get her, I gotta get him. So I went and got him, he falls in love with me, then she's like, you know, I'm looking for a good dad for my dad. <laughs> it was a perfect plan. You were so, pretty wise. Yeah, I was, hey, you gotta Crafty. work what you got. Yeah. So he, he had his big people teeth, little people teeth, and he's like, right away, you know, when he found out we we're getting married, he's like, can I call you? Can I call you Papa? Mm -hmm. And so we just lived beside each other, and he went on to get his degrees at college, and I thought for sure he'd get a job in Dallas here with his dad, and he came to me after it was all done, because I never pushed ministry on him. And he said, I really do want to go with my dad, but at the end of the day, I want to stay with my father. And man, it just brought tears to my eyes and still have trouble with it. He and was he's, calling you his father. He was calling me his father. Right. I'm so proud of him. I mean, it's just crazy. He's married now. We've got a grand puppy. Right. He's just going to It's Harry like me, this dog. But God does, he, he does qualify you. And I think grace is what a lot of people miss in life is that God will grace you when religion sometimes will try to erase you yeah. and he'll turn the reverse around for a promotion. And he did that with Nicole and I. She never thought she was going to be a preacher. No. I mean, when I met her, you know, we never even thought that my dad uh, would go on to be with the Lord so young at 56, he died of cancer. Mm -hmm. And we took this church of 180 people, didn't know what we we're doing, right. still don't know what we're doing. And we just started <laughs> doing what you guys do, which is just love people. Yeah. And we didn't try to, you know, first thing we did was we took off our suits and ties and started not pointing the finger at people this way, but this way, mm -hmm. saying Jesus is here to put a ring on your finger, a robe on your back. He's not mad at you, but mad about you. Yeah. Well, the church grows from 180 people to 18,000 people. Yeah. And then so many campuses, Nicole, I'm like, you got to start preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and they come to find out she starts preaching. So good people are like coming through television going, hey, uh, is your wife preaching today? And I'm like, 
no, I am. And they're like, when is she going to preach again? <laughs> so. Well, you know, and you're sitting here talking to a Baptist preacher about a preaching wife. How big is God? How big is God? It's church, the church like that Won't where we can really love one another and understand the grace of God. Isn't this a great story yeah. to see what God did with two people that the enemy is told are totally, totally disqualified. And every time I begin to talk to Christians about being the witnesses as salt and light and having a kingdom impact on planet earth. It's like, I'm not qualified. Mm -hmm. Who am I to talk to anybody? Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, the enemy points at me. I think you may have heard me say on this program, I can remember telling God, God, I'm just not worthy. And he said, shut up. You never have been, <laughs> right. never can be worthy right. as the lamb. Now do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Witness about his worthiness, his value, true, true. his greatness. Have you found out that works? Totally. Because a lot of times we get the focus on us, which is exactly what Jesus does not want us to do, right. and His grace is made perfect in our weakness, so the weaker we are, the less qualified we think we are, mm -hmm. the more God can get the glory. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hearing your story and reading your books and everything, I mean, you thought you were the least likely, and I think the enemy tries to work on the inner me to tell us, you know, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, David, you're no good. Mm -hmm. And the devil comes up again, and you're focusing on what you're not instead of what he is, yeah. and it limits you. So I would suggest to everybody right now to stop focusing on you. And I think the best way to get freedom in your life is to totally start helping other people. I mean, that's what you guys are doing. That's right. Feeding people around the world. Yeah. I was talking to somebody. And our viewers and, enjoy doing it. They oh, find yeah. great joy in life in becoming life to people who feel like they have none. And you know what it does? I was just watching you a minute ago on television, and I said, you know, how old are these people? Thirty-nine, ninety-five, and some change. You know, I don't want to ask. Should I Google it or should I ask the staff member? And they told me your age, and I was like, unbelievable! You guys have so much fire and energy passion. and passion. Yeah. And I think that sometimes you'll see teenagers that look like they're eighty. Because they have no passion, because they're focusing on what they're not, instead of saying, hey, there's a greater cause, God's going to do something great. Yeah. And so we look at you guys and say, man, that's what we want to do. And I know you guys are doing that as well. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's follow the role models right. that you guys are saying, which is it's all about Jesus and not about us. Right. And the enemy Ooh. will tell us every single time that we can't because of our mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Austin, the biggest mistake I thought I had made when I failed myself and I became pregnant, I didn't know for 23 years that God was going to use that mistake to go into ministry. Mm -hmm. But you know, where we, we are weak, he is strong. And he uses the foolish thing of the world to confound the wise. And I've thought about it over and over again. I'm like, God, why would you want somebody like me in ministry? I don't understand why somebody would listen to me. And you know, it really keeps me from being able to get in any kind of pride because it's not something I've done for myself. It was something that he has done for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to say to you today. If you have a mistake in your life, in your past that you're not able to get over and it keeps coming up in your mind, just think that might be the very space and the very place that God wants to work in your life and do a miracle through your life so that you never have the opportunity to say, hey, this was me and I was gifted and this is how I did it. No, we just have to back up and say, wow, look what God did and just be brave enough to tell it. So don't let your mistakes hold you back. Just give them to God and see what he can grow out of that. And he just wants us to be available yes. vessels for him to fill up to overflowing so that we can live what he's done through our lives, you know, be an example mm -hmm. to others. And it may not be being a preacher or being in public, mm. but maybe it's just the neighbor next door. Yes. You know, it's walking in what he has called us to do and, and being available and being submissive to his will. You seem to be witnessing everywhere God gives you an opportunity. 
You witnessed at some kind of a wild party recently that something happened. Can you tell us about it? Real short. Yeah. The, the, the Reader's Digest version is this. A lot of times on television, because Nicole and I speak every other week, uh, she preaches one weekend, I preach the next, and, and uh, there was this guy, and he, his name was Todd, and he doesn't mind me sharing this. I've shared a lot of times, and he shows up in our church one day because of that story. I told you, point the finger this way. No, we do it this way. He didn't feel condemned. And we don't condone everything, but we certainly don't need to condemn everything. Right. And so he showed up, and he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm really hungry. I'm interested. And he wanted us to come to his house. And it was really awkward because Nicole and I went there with Austin, who's an mm -hmm. adult now, and our, our little girl who's 12 now, and this is about three or four years ago. Go. And we came into his house in his pool. And there he is in the pool with his wife and his girlfriend. You talk about awkward. Mm. He just made no bones about it because he's very financially successful. And um, he was just asking questions. He was hungry. And we didn't sit there and go, you know, some of my training might have thought, oh, man, we can't even be caught here. What if somebody sees us in the pool like this? And we're just there. And I remember the story of Jesus, you know, just being in some really weird places. Right. And we just started loving this guy. And come to find out, he ends up, continuing. I, like you said, I didn't try to get him saved right now. And we just, just started loving him because yeah. the love of God draws people mm -hmm. to repentance. So next thing I know, he's he's coming to church more. And when one service, I look down, he's beside me because I've got him on the front row, even though people are going, is that Todd? He's, I mean, he's a notorious sinner. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And I just treat him like he was saved even before right. he got saved. <laughs> and one service, he just drops down during worship and starts yeah. crying. And I got down beside him and hold, held on to him. He's like, I'm ready to change my yeah. life. I want to get rid of my girlfriend. I want to get with my wife. I'm like, this is incredible. And so mm -hmm. it's been years now. We were with him yesterday at our church in West Palm Beach, and he God's blessed his businesses, yes. multiple streams. And, and there, it was so cool. We took a picture and, you know, social media, put it yeah. on Instagram. And here's this, you know, Saul the Paul conversion. Mm -hmm. And that's what God does is just yes. takes yes. messes and makes messages yes. out of them. And, and with us, you know, James, I want to say this to people. You were saying that people needed, you know, whether they're preachers or not, know that God can use you in spite of you. And mm -hmm. if we hadn't been through all the stuff we've went right. through, we wouldn't have anything to tell anybody. Right. So if you want to talk about divorce, we've been there. If you want mm -hmm. to talk about death and betrayal, we've been there. If you want to talk about financial upset, we've mm -hmm. been there. So it's like, I could never write on a sermons because my life was so jacked. I mean, I could <laughs> talk all day long about how messed up we were. And you know, what it does is it gives you compassion for other folks. Yes, and yes, I think that's does. what helps us with our church is people walk through the doors hurting, broken, mistake laden with a past. And instead of judging, we're like, been there. We're, we're so much alike. God likes to use brokenness. Yeah. He does. And he definitely does. You know, our stories are a lot like most people's. Me being fatherless and uh, living in poverty. Uh, many people feel that way today. They've been left out, overlooked, and you're not overlooked. That's why you're watching today. You're hearing about how much God thinks about every one of us, no matter how broken or how bad we may feel like we are. He is greater than all of our sin and all of our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Reach up to him. He is reaching down to you. He loves you this much. He stretched out his arms and died for you. Now he wants to hold you in everlasting arms. Just ask him to do it right where you are. You want to call and ask someone to pray with you? Please do. Because someone is waiting. He receives you as you receive him. Do you appreciate this wonderful testimony we've heard? I love both of you. You're truly gifted. I pray God blesses the church in Palm Beach, and I pray in St. Louis in every way. I want to show you something. You know, I talked about how my own past is reflective of many. I remember what it's like when I would be left and not know if anyone would come back for me. That's a lonely kid. There are a lot of people who feel overlooked. Let's show them 
they're not. I know what it feels like to be overlooked and then found, noticed. Let's be noticers. Each day, we're bombarded with troubling headlines about different tragedies around the world. And unfortunately, events ranging from natural disasters to terrorism claim several hundred innocent lives each month. But beyond the headlines lurks one of the world's deadliest killers. It has become so common and proficient that it is no longer considered front page news. Each day, thousands of children under the age of five die from the effects of malnutrition. These children weren't victims of an act of war or just in the wrong place at the wrong time. They simply didn't have enough food to eat. The early effects of malnutrition can be seen in the children's hair and skin condition. Later, their bellies will become painfully bloated. And if they still don't get enough food, a child will end up in a malnutrition clinic or even worse. This doesn't have to be. There is a simple solution. Life Outreach and its mission partners are providing life-saving food to hundreds of thousands of children. This daily bowl of nutritious porridge is the difference between life and death for these precious children. Be a part of the good news and help save a life today. Because without your help, this overlooked tragedy will continue to spread pain and devastation around the world. Those painfully emaciated, suffering, starving children are not just loved by their family and their mother. They're loved by God. And God uses us to express that love. Those are truly poor people. They have no hope if we don't offer it to them. I want to say a very personal word of thanks to you right now. I want to say thank you for not turning away because if you know Betty and James and you know anything about life today, we share life today in word, in teaching, in testimony, but also in deed. We don't just talk about it. We share the love of God in action, in deed, in more than words. And you have stayed to watch. You didn't look away. Those little children that don't make the headlines have somehow captured your attention, certainly God's, but Betty, we're the ones that give attention to the things God cares about. We're the ones that meet the need. And I'm asking you if you would please make a gift today to help us feed those precious little ones, to get them even before they get to that terrible state of malnutrition, which we're supplying the needs for those incredible clinics too. When I say we, viewers of life today, people just like you. But if we can feed three, five or 10 children for 30, 50 or $100, we do that for the next several months. Betty, we've got some friends that said they will match what we give for the first 50,000 children, for 50,000, which means that $30 will feed six, 50 will, will literally enable us to feed 10 and, and 100 will give us the opportunity to feed 20. And many people will actually give $1,000 and that goes from 100 children to 200. So the love of God through some of our friends is doubling what people want to do. And I'm believing everyone notices those children who watch. And I think everyone watching can say, I will help 
feed some of those children. I'm, I'm believing that. I believe you will, too. We've shown you some of the worst situations, and it breaks our hearts, and I'm sure it breaks your hearts. We want to show you the results of you reaching out and show you the good that comes from you helping these precious children that will starve and getting these kind of situations if we don't help them. I like to show you the smiles. I like to show you the children jumping around and playing. You can be a part of that. Please join with us and let's feed these precious children. And you know, Betty, we know for a fact that many of the children whose lives we saved 20 years ago, 25 years ago, many of them are leaders in communities and even in cities now, in impoverished nations that have been digging their way out like Mozambique. Some of them are actually teachers and even some college professors who were dying when you reached out and lifted them up out of that state. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org, take your bank card and make the gift God puts on your heart, knowing that whatever you can do will be doubled in its impact. Could you give $100? Could you give 30 or 50? Whatever you can do, it's gonna mean a difference to those children we're reaching out to. You can dial the number there and take your bank card and make the gift. If you wanna write a check, make it to life because that's what you're giving. But call and let us know you're putting it in the mail. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for responding to that incredible heart cry and that great need. In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering, crops have failed, there is no food, and those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that with your help will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time. To help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture featuring a beautiful buck in regal stance, reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life-saving double impact gift today. From the depth of our heart, thank you. In behalf of the parents of those children and the kids, the people you love. And Betty and I want to say thanks from the bottom of my heart to the cranks. You it. sure aren't cranky. <laughs> you are a blessing. Would you say thanks to David and Nicole again? Thank you so much. And you tell all your folks to pray for us, will you please? By the way, visit stream.org if you want to get some wisdom and insight on how to address the issues of concern. Go to the stream and gain wisdom. Thank all of you. Thanks for watching.
Christians are feeling the fact that they're on the outside of the cultural consensus about a lot of these social issues. Gabe Lyons, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.